1: Before Hurricane Maria made landfall on Puerto Rico three weeks ago, the U.S. territory's economy was already in shambles, thanks in part to an overload of debt and an exodus of residents. Now, after this terrible storm, things are much, much worse for the 3.4 million people there. Just 15% of residents have electricity, 40% are lacking clean water, and nearly half the phone service is out. One estimate puts the damage at $95 billion, the equivalent of more than one year of Puerto Rico's GDP. So what does this all mean for Puerto Rico's economy? Will Puerto Rico even have an economy anymore? We'll talk to two people who will try to answer these questions and more today on Benchmark. I'm Scott Landman, an economics editor with Bloomberg in Washington. Today, we're going to look at Puerto Rico's economic devastation from two perspectives, one from someone who's been on the ground there, and then from someone who's very familiar with the territory's economy. So how bad is it there? Let's turn to one of our Bloomberg colleagues, Jordan Holman, a reporter based in New York, who spent seven days in Puerto Rico after the storm, covering the situation there. Jordan, thanks for joining us today.
2: Thanks for having me.
1: Tell us a little bit about what you saw when you were there and how the hurricane disrupted life in Puerto Rico.
2: So Hurricane Maria very much disrupted life on the ground there in Puerto Rico. Uh, Like you mentioned at the top, most of the island was without electricity. Cell service was down. Uh, A lot of the streets were not cleared uh, because of utility poles, trees, and a lot of people did not have jobs to go to. Schools were out and people had to bathe in the river because they did not have access to clean water. So it very much disrupted the way of life down in Puerto Rico, and it's going to be a years-long recovery until things get back to normal.
1: And, and speaking of what normal life is like down there, from what I know about their economy, uh, there's there's tourism, of course. I visited there one time. There are some factories, especially pharmaceuticals, uh, maybe some other industries, too. Is it possible for anybody to get to work, to get paid, to, to do anything these days?
2: So normal will feel different for different parts of the island. In San Juan, where tourism is um, a big part of the economy, more than 21,000 people uh, work in tourism in Puerto Rico, the hotels are starting to open up. You can see some cruise ships um, you know, docking in the waters there, and there's a huge concerted effort to try to uh, jumpstart the economy with tourism and trying to tell people that, uh, Puerto Rico is open for business. The Bacardi uh, distillery down there, it's open and running. But outside of San Juan and the villages and the more mountainous areas, that's where uh, people are really trying to look for jobs and for opportunities because less of the roads are cleared there. Uh, schools aren't open. And so parents um, are put in a tough spot of what to do next.
1: So what you're saying, Jordan, is you know San Juan might be able to get back on its feet and get some tourists back. But you know, for the vast, vast majority of the island, it's just going to be a very, very long road back. And who really knows when things will ever get back to some normal stage, if at all.
2: Right. Right now, many people are just looking for the commodities in life. They're looking for clean water. They're looking for housing. Electricity um, is huge issues right now. So focusing on getting those back up and running is very key um, further outside of San Juan.
1: And... When it comes to the people that you talk to down there, even though its residents are American citizens, Puerto Rico has no representation in Congress. Do people there feel that Puerto Rico has been kind of invisible in some ways in, in this aftermath of the disaster? I mean, not that people don't know about it, but given its distance, uh, the fatigue with other hurricanes like Irma and Harvey, that it's it's not really getting the attention and help that the people there deserve?
2: The people I spoke to down there definitely acknowledged that there are a lot of other natural disasters happening right now. Um, there was Harvey um, in Texas and you Irma in Florida and other parts of the Caribbean. Right now there's forest fires in California. But everyone stressed to me that while they understood that they still needed aid, they were still part of this country, American citizens. They felt that uh, Trump's visit... It could have been a positive thing since he's the president and it brings media attention and resources. But as aid is still coming in, not everyone's receiving it in all parts of the island. And so that's a big focus right now to make sure that the aid is getting and reaching the people who need it most.
1: Just one last question before we move on to our other guest Is it possible? to even rebuild Puerto Rico in a reasonable amount of time. We, we have an article out from some of our colleagues about how uh, you know the debt burden was so large that uh, public employees like like police officers were already cut. I mean everything was basically a shambles already. Is it even possible to rebuild, you think?
2: Maria definitely didn't help um, the financial situation down in Puerto Rico, and the electrical grid needs to be rebuilt. Um, the water situation needs to be handled as well. Uh, right now, they're still in a emergency rescue recovery stage. But this is also could be looked at as an opportunity for a clean slate, for rebuilding the infrastructure in a more durable way. Tesla said that, you know, they are looking into possibilities of rebuilding. And um, Google has said that they're going to help with the cell service. So this could be a place where corporations can step in and help this effort. But it's definitely going to be a years long recovery. That's uh, definitely what FEMA impressed upon me while I was down there that this is going to be a slow recovery and not everyone's going to feel it at the same time. So that's one thing that's going to be a years-long recovery.
1: Definitely sounds like a very, very difficult situation. Thanks, Jordan, so much for coming on today.
2: Thanks for having me.
1: All right. Well, let's bring in Arthur McEwen now. He's a professor emeritus of economics at the University of Massachusetts in Boston. He's studied the Puerto Rican economy for more than 20 years, consulting to government and non-government organizations and publishing several articles for both academic and general audiences. Thanks for joining us on Benchmark today, Professor. I'm
3: glad to be here.
1: So from your perspective, can can you just give us a little background here? Before this storm struck, if we can talk about Puerto Rico in some normal state, what have been the major components of Puerto Rico's economy over the years?
3: Well, for the last 10 years, Puerto Rico has essentially been in a recession. The economy has declined by, well, there are various measures, but probably about 15% since 2006. Uh, You mentioned, or your previous guest mentioned, that there's been a large exodus, uh, hundreds of thousands of people, perhaps uh, 500,000 have left the country and come to the United States. Uh, As citizens, of course, they can move here easily, and that's made uh, a big difference. People leaving doesn't doesn't help the economy, uh, to be sure. The recession itself has to be put in context in the sense that the Puerto Rican economy was falling further and further behind the U.S. economy, growing slower than the U.S. economy ever since 1980. Uh, And now, of course, it's going down, however slowly, the United States economy is going up. Um, There there are several reasons for this. That uh, that is, several reasons for the slow growth and then the development of the recession. All this comes before the hurricanes, of course, although it's had hurricanes before, never never anything like this in, in Puerto Rico. Uh, The the U.S. government and the Puerto Rican government have focused excessively on manufacturing and attracting U.S. firms, manufacturing firms to Puerto Rico with very large tax breaks. Um, This has led to a distortion of the economy, a, a failure to focus on other industries, and hasn't done very much for employment in Puerto Rico. For example, manufacturing Accounts for about forty forty five percent of the Puerto Rican economic output, but only eight percent of employment. You know that something's weird when those you hear those numbers.
1: How is that possible? <laughs>
3: well, it's possible because the the firms operating in Puerto Rico have huge profits, and because they basically don't pay any U.S. taxes or Puerto Rican taxes or very little uh, on their activities. So. What uh, this is under particular u s. laws, some of those laws have been changed, but the situation has not changed dramatically in in recent years. Uh, so it's not and it costs more in lost taxes uh, to to increase a job, to make a job in Puerto Rico than the salary of the job. Uh, so it's not a very good policy. but also, this focus on manufacturing, which I don't think has paid off that well for Puerto Rico, has led to neglect of other sorts of industries on on the island. I mean, you mentioned earlier that they're counting on tourism to do something. Well, it's a little late, I'm afraid. Um, For the last 20 years, the uh, the number of tourist arrivals has been basically flat in Puerto Rico since about 1995. Uh, If you compare this with the Dominican Republic, which started off in '95 with less tourism than Puerto Rico and now is much larger in terms of the number of tourists that come there. The reason behind this uh, looks very much like uh, the, the government of the Dominican Republic has increased its spending year after year in support of tourism. In Puerto Rico, the government spending on tourism has been basically flat. The kind of infrastructure that might uh, develop Puerto Rico, the advertising campaigns that might develop tourism in Puerto Rico, those haven't been there. Uh, and the other examples come up for uh, one case is agriculture, which has just been devastated in Puerto Rico over the years. Uh, of course, it's even more devastated now with the uh, with the hurricane. Uh, and of course, the decline in agriculture is part of economic progress, a shift to a more urban and industrial economy. but. In Puerto Rico, it went much further. Uh, there was no attention, little government extension programs to build up agriculture, to find the appropriate things. Puerto Rico now imports, by some estimates, over 80 to 85 percent of its food. Um, now, it's not the best place in the world for agriculture. A lot of the island is uh, is very mountainous. Nonetheless, uh, there's certainly opportunities, and furthermore, uh, there is very little export of crops to the United States, whereas There are plenty of crops that could be grown in Puerto Rico, and some are. Some are, it's not totally zero, uh, for export to the U.S. market. But very little has been done by government to help with the finance, the marketing, the extension programs that agriculture needs to get going. Those are just a couple of examples of the neglect that has been there for, for quite a while. Well, they're always figuring out new ways to give tax breaks to manufacturing, which is not driving the economy. Now, uh, let, let
1: me interrupt you. Sure. Let me interrupt you for a second. So we we've had these decades of uh, failed economic policy experiment, basically in Puerto Rico. Uh, like Jordan was saying, companies like Google and Tesla are uh, looking at ways of of getting the electrical grid back online or the telecom infrastructure. Is it time for more radical? Uh, economic experiments that could encourage that sort of thing, or do we really need to go back to basics and see, all right, you have a tropical location, let's put in a uh, tourist infrastructure that, that's, that, that really works and that could actually attract visitors?
3: Well, I think the answer is both. That is, it would be fine to start developing the tourist industry, but at the same time, there has to be something done about the electrical grid. Uh, you shouldn't let a good crisis go to waste, uh, as, somebody, as many people have said. But, but look, the electrical system in Puerto Rico has been very inefficient and very expensive. Uh, this is an opportunity to rebuild it in a way that is not only less expensive, more efficient, but also in a, it will withstand uh, hurricanes to the degree possible, and also could be green after all, green energy is becoming competitive in the United States, where where energy costs or energy prices are much lower than in Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico Ricans pay about twice what we pay in the states uh, for electricity. So certainly, green energy is is viable. It can also be decentralized in a way that you wouldn't have the whole island being out at as it virtually is is now.
1: Just put in a whole bunch of solar panels, and you could probably uh, produce a lot of power, right?
3: Solar panels and wind as well could could be very important. And incidentally, uh, you mentioned Tesla and Google. I don't know about Google, but not only Tesla, but also a German firm is already bringing in mini units for local generation of electricity through a some sort of uh, sun and power, and also. With battery systems that I, I frankly can't can't explain to, uh, but that's already going on.
1: So it does seem like they're going to need you know, real major work to rebuild the economy, rebuild the electrical grid, and some probably some pretty innovative solutions. Let me turn to a topic that interests me personally, actually, as part of my day job for the 95% of the time that I don't actually spend recording the benchmark podcast, I edit (laughs) our day to day coverage of US economic indicators like employment, GDP, inflation, and so on. So when I was thinking about this topic, I, I, I was saying, well, let's look at economic data in Puerto Rico. And then I was looking at economic data in Puerto Rico, and there there really isn't much to speak of. Uh, either It either doesn't exist or the estimates that are there are not really reliable. Um, why don't we have any real reliable current estimates of GDP, uh, labor market, consumer spending like we do for the rest of the United States?
3: First of all, the United States agencies, such as the Bureau of Labor Statistics and the uh, Bureau of Economic Analysis, are only responsible for parts of of uh, Puerto Rican data. Puerto Rico, by and large, has its own, own data system, and being outside the U.S. data system, a lot of data is not well collected. I mean, it, we have the gross national product data, for example, which is the measure of of growth and so on in the Puerto Rican economy. But they use 1954 prices in order to calculate current um, current output in the economy.
1: 1954. Now, I think the, the U.S. government, the, the Bureau of Economic Analysis, they, they look at, I think it's 2012 prices, <laughs> for example. Well,
3: they're always right. updating it, I right. mean, in, in the United States. But as long as I've been looking at Puerto Rico, it's 1954. Well, that's absurd. Things change tremendously. New products are produced that weren't even in existence in 1954. Uh, And old products that were important in 1954 go out of use. Those data are very unreliable.
1: Puerto Rico is invisible in the main economic statistics, like the unemployment rate and GDP that pertain to the whole U.S., even though even though its residents are considered U.S. citizens, but it's part of this uh, status, this this status in the United States, where it's part of the United States, but not part of the United States. Well,
3: it's a colony of the United States. <laughs> I mean that uh, uh, even though its mem- its people are are citizens, um, it's controlled by the United States. Ultimate authority is with the United States government, but it has a certain degree of autonomy. And one of the areas in which it has a great deal of autonomy is in statistics. And the government simply has not given priority to the development of good statistical systems. And moreover, those, the statistics that are gathered are often politically used and politically controlled. Uh, I'll give you one example. When the head of the Institute of Statistics in Puerto Rico realized that there were serious problems with the Consumer Price Index and recalculated it, the government told him not to let this go public. And after a while, he let it go public anyway, and they tried to fire him. Wow. Uh, they, they didn't succeed because it had a certain amount of autonomy. Another example is that the, uh, the legislature in Puerto Rico passed a law that said the government development bank should not release any economic statistics in the year before up leading up to an election.
1: Wow. If we got any of that in the United States, you, you would you would have endless congressional hearings and right, recriminations right. But, and so on.
3: Right. So those were clearly pl- efforts to use the, pol- the the data system politically, which were problems. Now, I mean, I don't mean it's all absolutely useless. I think that the employment data, for example, are of, are of some use. And I just would mention that before the storms hit, the August data showed that, which is the most recent data we have, that unemployment was running at almost 12% in, in Puerto Rico. Now I hesitate to guess. I mean, it's, if they're 12% employed, uh, that would be high.
1: The Puerto Rican debt is, you know, that, that's the overhang uh, on this whole situation. But if, if you can boil that down to uh, 10 seconds, how, how is that going to play out?
3: Well, I just say with the, the debt, uh, the, the president said it has to be wiped out. He hasn't got authority to do that, but they have to find some way to greatly reduce the burden of the debt in Puerto Rico, or the situation is basically hopeless.
1: Well, on that note, on that hopeful note, we're going to have to leave it there. Uh, Arthur, thank you so much for uh, speaking with us today. Thank you. Benchmark will be back next week. And until then, you can find us on the Bloomberg Terminal, Bloomberg.com, our Bloomberg app, as well as on Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts, and Stitcher. While you're there, take a minute to rate and review the show so more listeners can find us. And let us know what you thought of the show. You can follow me on Twitter at @ScottLandman, Scott Landman. And Jordan Holman is at at J-O-R-T-Y-N, journals. Benchmark is produced by Sarah Patterson. The head of Bloomberg Podcasts is Francesca Lee. Thanks for listening. See you next time.